I am Andrea Butcher, and this is Being at Work. Being a leader is hard. So on this show, I set out to talk with experienced leaders to learn from their pivotal moments, how they led through the challenges we can all relate to but are often unheard. A few years ago, a Navy SEAL asked today's guest a question that ultimately changed everything for him. What are the three most important things in your life? In addition to sharing the impact of that question, today's guest will share the experiences that have sharpened his resolve and prepared him to lead through challenges. Ryan Minky is the Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing at OFS, a family-owned, community-driven organization providing socially responsible furniture and logistics solutions in markets around the world. Ryan is the oldest of four siblings that represent the fourth generation of leadership at OFS. He's worked in most functions within the business and is almost 20 years with the company. He is passionately curious and never idle, constantly exploring ways to understand and improve human performance at work. While he's done some incredible things in his life, as you'll hear, he says his greatest accomplishment is the three beautifully wild children he and his wife created. He loves to be outdoors and exploring new places that push his boundaries. Listen in as he reflects on the leadership behaviors that have supported the success of his team and organization. As he says, over the last few months, we've been in a marathon that has no end. And yet he is leading with optimism and courage. Check it out. Started with OFS, like you mentioned, about 20 years ago. Prior to that, uh, had a couple different jobs. Um, Our family rule is you have to work for somebody else for a minimum of four years. So after uh, four years of college and uh, and, uh, playing college football, so I've always been competitive my whole life, uh, got out in the working world and then uh, landed at OFS at the family business. And and as you mentioned, I've, I've worked in almost every department, start out managing our trucking division early in my career through logistics, supply chain, manufacturing. And then um, most recently, about seven years ago, was promoted to uh, Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing, where I am today. So it's been a wonderful journey. I've been able to work in every facet of the business, uh, except for finance, where uh, they don't really want me. I know enough to be here, <laughs> but my sister-in-law's got that all covered. Well, it's leveraging your strengths, right? (laughs) Exactly. And knowing your weaknesses (laughs) and surrounding yourself with people that can fill those voids. So I was uh, about seven years ago, I came over in sales and marketing and and we were really trying to transform our our business, kind of reshape it and get set up. You know, as you mentioned, we're fourth generation. Uh, We're really trying to make that next step in evolution. And so a few years ago, uh, I had a, a gentleman come in to speak to our team. It was our first ever standalone national sales meeting. It was a big event for us, a big expense, and we really want to make it impactful. And a friend of mine had recommended this uh, former Navy SEAL. And quite honestly, I didn't know how it was going to go. We met very briefly, but I trusted my friend's word on on the impact that he had on uh, on him indiv- as an individual, but also their team. And so uh, we had my uh, friend Shannon Rush come in and give us a talk. And it changed everything for a lot of us in the room, but especially me. We got to become very good friends after that and talked a lot. And he, he asked me one day, he goes, what are your three most important things in life? And I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just three. He goes, it can't be more than three. He said, otherwise, how do you know how to prioritize your time? And, you know, so I really turned on that for a long time and I came back to him and, and I've gone through different evolutions of it, but really it was family, fitness and the future. 
And I felt like if I focused on those three things intently, everything else would come in line. And so, you know, that brought us here to uh, the the world we're in now with COVID and Apocalypse 2020. Uh, uh, there's a lot of funny memes going around and uh, bingo games and whatever else. But I think that moment, uh, you know, three three plus years ago now, fundamentally kind of changed the way I think about things, how I push myself physically, how I push my and, and how that sharpens you mentally for, you know, times of uh, unknown crises and everything else that comes along. So how did you come to that family fitness in the future? What was that process like of getting to those three things? I really just, you know, just sat down and spent a lot of time reflecting if, if you can only have three things and then how would those cascade down and other important things? Obviously, furniture was a was a close third that I really want to get in there. But it and faith was the other one. But I really felt like if I focus on those other three things, everything else would take care of itself. And, you know, we're a family owned uh, and operated company. And so for me, making sure that, you know, my family is, you know, always the number one thing to me and then fitness to me is it's not only physical fitness, it's mental, it's spiritual, whether that's, you know, religious or meditative, you know, so I felt like if I had that, you know, I'd always be well-rounded and I'd be, you know, sharp for the, my family and sharp for the business. And then I ended up on future, which is not where I started, but the future I felt like, you know, in the capacity that I am in for the business is always trying to look around the corner, trying to, you know, understand what's coming our way, but then also making sure that, our business and my family are all set up uh, for the future, our community set up for the future, our environment set up for the future. And so I felt like those three things, um, if I focused on those, everything else would come in line. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? There's a, a leadership mantra that's coming to mind for me, like focus equals growth. And so it's not that there aren't other things that are important to you, but those things, like you say, fall into line when your focus is on what's most important to you. So you said that was, it's been a few years. So how has that played out, that focus? So uh, it's played out in a lot of different ways. We have uh, done a lot of different unique physical challenges, which have brought me tighter into the Navy SEAL community. One being that we did the first ever legal swim across the Hudson River uh, from New Jersey to New York a couple of years ago. And there was 34 of us. I was fortunate enough to be the lone civilian uh, to be out there with all of them. And you know, it was a great challenge. It was something where uh, I asked my friend if I could do it. And he said, I don't know. Can you? And I was like, well, I train up. And then he came back and he said, you're in. And I said, what'd you have to tell him? He said, I told him you wouldn't die. So back <laughs> <laughs> was the kind of against the wall at that moment. And uh, we trained up and uh, I think we did, I don't know, a uh, hundred and something pull-ups, maybe four or 500 push-ups and swam a couple of miles, uh, all to raise money and awareness for homeless veterans. And so, uh, did that again this year. Uh, actually, just Friday, a friend of mine and I went out and ran a 40-mile ultra marathon on our own to, to honor all those who perished on 9-11. So we're always trying to do things to push ourselves and to really find what those boundaries are. And and uh, I think that can hone your mind uh, mentally the harder you, you push yourself physically because your mind's going to shut down well before your body's ready to is just part of our fight or flight mechanism. So I think the more we can get out there and push ourselves, no matter what it is, it doesn't have to be, you know, running an ultra marathon. It could be, you know, trying a new skill, learning a language, playing a guitar, whatever it is. I think that'll, uh, that continues to, you know, keep our brains alive and fresh and really feeds that seeking system of, of our bodies. Wow. Gosh, there's so much in that. So you're pushing yourself physically to sharpen yourself mentally because you've seen through these physical challenge, how you are sharpening mentally. 
is there examples of that that you can point to in your leadership where those physical challenges have really supported you? Yeah, I think a big part of it is is I would say that I before all this, you know, even in college, I remember coaches getting on me. You know, I kind of needed that uh, reinforcement mechanism from some, you know, from some an outside source, um, and I was driven that way. And but I've noticed that uh, you know the more I've pushed myself, the more that I've you know become more confident in what I'm doing. But it's also allowed me to to be confident for others, to be you know to be calm in a in an otherwise kind of chaotic world, which is you know certainly was thrust upon us you know earlier this spring. I mean, we had just come out of our greatest month ever. We just came out of our national sales meeting. Everybody's flying high. I mean, we can't, we, we are going to crush our goals this year. And then COVID hit. And, you know, it was interesting. We had a tour here of, of millennials. They were all young designers, you know, in their, in their twenties. I don't know if any of them were in their thirties yet. And you could see this sense of real fear in their, in their eyes. And it, it hit me like a ton of bricks that, you know, something that, didn't have that kind of gravity to me personally, but I could see it in them. And then I realized, you know, they've never had a bad, really bad economy or a bad working day in their entire working career. And let alone a pandemic, which none of us have really experienced. So we really sat down very quickly and said, hey, uh, we've got to come up with, you know, kind of a theme uh, for how we're going to usher our teams through this. Uh, we've, you know, got nearly 2000 employees uh, nationwide. So we really wanted to make sure that we could help. And so we sat down and we we crafted a um, communication plan around three themes. And that was calm, context, and confidence. And, you know, clearly calm is what it is. There was a lot of panic, a lot of fear. We just wanted to bring a sense of calm through, you know, hey, we've been, we've been through big uh, economic changes. You know, our entire leadership team is the same team that was here during the Great Recession. You know, from a sense of context, man, there was still is, but there was so much misinformation and and hype and baseless information and fact based information. And we we told them all. We said, listen, listen, please do yourself a favor and turn off the TV. Stop reading the headlines. It's only going to be negative and it's going to freak you out a bit. Let us take that burden on. Let us sift through the good information from the bad and to pr- provide a little context and color to, you know, some of the headlines you're reading. And then lastly, that was the, then confidence, confident that, hey, we will get through this. Um, you know, we had done a at our sales meeting, it was all about climbing the summit. And we basically, you know, set a summit into the future of where we wanted to go. And we talked about, hey, there's peaks and valleys. There's weather that blows in periodically that throws, you know, throws off the climb. That's just part of trying to climb to great heights. And so, hey, listen, this is just a storm. This is this is weather blowing through. We're going to get through it. But we got to we really we really have to button down, lean on each other, sharpen our craft while we have downtime and but keep pushing. And so, you know, I think that's where it's it's manifested itself the most here recently. Yeah, well, and you're modeling those pillars. I mean, that's what's so great about it. You're not just saying, hey, let's be calm, let's provide context, and let's all be confident. Like, it's interesting because you're the example, like you're being those things with this group of leaders. It's almost like you're catching them up. They've not had those experiences. So you're leveraging your experiences to provide that calm context and confidence for them. So what has the reaction been from the team? I I think it's galvanized the team. And and I want to be also clear that it was 
there was a group of us that really sat down and crafted this and we leaned on each other's strengths and weaknesses in we all have weak moments, right? I mean, you can't communicate enough in times like this. And, you know, to be out there live on Zoom calls or whatever the medium was at the time, constantly, commu- I mean, we were communicating at least once a week, company-wide. And, you know, that can be exhausting, you know, always making sure you pick the right word. And, uh, but then also, you know, having that support network was huge of leaders leaning on leaders, and and pulling new leaders, you saw new leaders blossom, which was really exciting. And so, you know, I think that most important is having a great network of people around you to really lift up the whole, right? I've heard this thing is, you know, there's, you can add, subtract, multiply, but then there's a, there's a time when you can create alchemy in teams where you forge something totally new. And I think that a lot of that has happened, fortunately, for us and our teams uh, through all this. Yeah, the synergy that's been created. Like you hadn't anticipated some of these things that have that have come as a result of your focus. No, not at all. I mean, it, you hope and you believe you you surrounded yourself with the best and you're always trying to, you know, uh, shore up your weak spots with um, other people's strengths. And, uh, but in times like these, there's always opportunity. And one of the big things for us was we just, a lot of people were able to step up and shine. And that that's really rewarding and fulfilling. Well, and I appreciate your comment that you can't communicate enough at a time like this. Because yeah, because in the midst of uncertainty, people are looking for something, right? They're looking for something to grasp onto. You are a good communicator. You know, what about leaders who are anxious about getting up in front of a group and gosh, I got to have the right words and the right thing. Like what advice or guidance would you give to those leaders? If you can't have certainty, the best, the next best thing is clarity. And, you know, there's, in my mind, there's nobody better in the world than Brene Brown when it comes to talking about vulnerability. And, you know, you think about serendipity, it's not only, you know, a lot of the SEALs and team guys that I've met over the years, but it's also a lot of the books that, you know, just read. I, you know, I just got done with Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, uh, last winter. And so a lot of that, we've used that content a lot um, just because I think that, you know, you just got to put it out there and, and you're never going to get it right. I hate, you know, honestly, I don't like public speaking. Uh, it's, but, you know, you get up there, you kind of just put it out and put it out there. And then you, and then all of a sudden you can kind of settle in. You find that one head nod in the crowd and you're like, okay, I'm at least resonating with one person. And then you kind of build on it. But I think it's people who aren't comfortable. I think, again, it goes back to that. If you've got a great locker room and a great team around you, they're going to help lift you up. And I saw that a lot. I mean, my sister, for one, you know, can't stand speaking on stage. And every year she we kind of, you know, usher her out there. And uh, But, you know, she was amazing uh, on our social platforms and just being vulnerable, talking about being a working mom, trying to manage all this with kids climbing all over. And I just... I applauded her and I could name 50 other people in an organization right now off the top of my head that that were the same way, whether they were out front or behind the scenes providing leadership. Well, because it's so real and so and so it's relatable. I mean, that just gosh, and doesn't that bring comfort in the midst of challenge to know that, okay, I'm not alone. And here's this executive leader that also is feeling that way. So the connection now that the team feels with her has got to be so much greater. Oh, it is. I mean, it's, uh, you know, and I, th- I think just, gosh, just be honest. I mean, getting out there and I think telling people, hey, we don't have all the answers. But today, 
we're going to make the best decision we can possibly make with the information we have in this moment. And we're going to make mistakes. But I think it's it goes back to the fundamentals of great teams. You know, if, if you're a great teammate, you understand the other person's intent. And even if they fumbled a little bit, you'll grab that baton and run with it. You won't go back and tell them how they didn't handle it, you know, hand it off just right. You'll grab it and you'll make up for that, you know, that fumble. And so I think that, again, I think it goes back to your, your support network um, and that team really all being in it together. Yeah, you can't do it alone. Yeah, I think that's when we get ourselves into trouble, right? It's when we think we can or we try to because it's just not possible. <laughs> yeah, you'll burn out. I mean, and that goes back to the, you know, the fundamentals that, again, going back to the SEAL community and, and a lot of the work that they have done with us over the last three years and actually continue to do today. They got a leadership series going through the end of the year with our teams just to kind of help everybody process the the mental side of what we're going for. But they've always, they, there's three tenets and it's individual teammate team. And you usually think it starts with team, but actually it starts with the individual. And if, if you've got you've got to own your portion of that and, and, and being a great teammate so that the team can be great. And we really kind of harp on that a lot. And, and so we make sure that those those kind of those fundamentals, you know, are brought forth every day. But it starts with you and the work that you're doing. But then, like, I think back about your Hudson River swim, like there was so much you had to do to get yourself prepared, like the discipline and the intentionality to train for that, to equip yourself. But then could you have done that on your own? Absolutely not. No, um, it helps to, when your buddy tells him you're not, you know, you're not going to die. So, uh, right. you, know, you got that kind of pushing you, nudging you along. But, you know, we uh, we had started a workout group again, serendipity two years ago, uh, just because a couple of us were just having a hard time getting off center and uh getting in shape and we we've all read uh, atomic habits and how important ex, you know exercise is a keystone habit for everything else and so we decided to start this little group and it was like a reverse gym membership where you only pay if you didn't work out and that group has built up into a couple dozen folks and and we're all in the best shape arguably we've ever been at least since you know any of us played at, at the collegiate level and that group for what I was doing physically exercise wise, I mean, they were the ones that, man, when I woke up or just didn't want to go to the gym or didn't want to jump in the lake and swim. And they were the ones I felt accountable to, even though they didn't have to hold me accountable. And I think the same thing goes at work. I think you've, you, you know, it taught me how important those, those teams are and how much we need each other to lean on each other in those moments of weakness. Cause we, cause if there's one thing like motivation wanes, it's like, weather, right? It comes and goes with with a breeze, but dedication or discipline is more like the sun. It rises and sets every day. And so the more as individuals and that I, I heard that actually in a in a SEAL podcast and I just it resonated so much with me that it's motivation won't get you through. It has to be dedication and discipline that'll get yourself through. And I think that again that's another another thing that's helped us uh, as we've navigated this whole situation. Yeah, that's really good. I've I've not ever heard that. Dedication and discipline is more like the sun. It rises and sets every day. So there's there's got to be this intentionality about it. That's well, and that's the individual part, isn't it? That's like that's you having the integrity to to do it, to step into it. Yeah, and I think if you if you if you think about that and how you can bring that to work every day. I mean, you know, John Gordon's another favorite author out there, and he, you know, he he just had something today. He's like, you know, are you gonna get up on Monday morning and say, wow, 
I've got, I've got this opportunity in front of me. I, I can't wait to get started. Or are you going to wake up and go, Oh no, it's Monday. I just, you, know, you know, so it's all mindset. It's all about how, how you arrive um, at each obstacle. I'm just thinking about that scene from office space. Somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> One of the greatest movies and predictors of the workplace of all time. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So good. So you, uh, I love, you're such a student of leadership clearly too. I mean, you've John Gordon, Brene Brown, you also, the, so the first time that we talked, we, uh, we share a favorite book, man's search for meaning Victor Frankel. Absolutely. It, you it, love it, to read. I do. I read a lot. Um, you know, it's another thing I think if you set the set, the proper goals, uh, I get a question like, how do you read so many books? And it's, I only read 10 pages a day. That is so easy. That is such a little small bite to, to take every single, but if you do it every day, that's a lot of pages in a year. And, um, man's search for meaning. I was, uh, I was actually, again, a seal friend of mine had was going through this little, uh, leadership group, uh, session with us. And he had this book lineup and that was in there. And I honestly, I didn't read it when we were going through the training. And then as COVID hit and every, you know, every, you could see everybody going through what they were going through mentally. And it felt like the right time to read that book. And so I picked it up and it was the most grounding, centering thing I think I could have read during all of this. What we're going through is nothing. It's not even, the scale is just incomparable. But I do think that there's so many lessons in there and there's so much to to kind of recenter yourself. And again, I think it goes back to refocusing and being that sense of calm and that sense of confidence uh, that you can provide by having context. And here's the guy, like, so for our listeners that don't know, so Viktor Frankl was an Austrian psychiatrist, like well-known, top of his game. And then he was in a concentration camp for many years because he was Jewish. So he he went from, I mean, had everything stripped from him, his family. I think his only family member that survived was his sister. So uh, he talks in the book about how the last of the human freedoms, how everything can be taken from you always except your attitude, your ability to choose your response in any any situation. It was so apropos to, to what we were what we were all facing over the last four or five months, and you know, it's just it's we've been in a marathon that has no end, right? So it's you got to just keep putting one foot in front, front of the other, and you're going to have your highs and your lows, and and you know, but if if you keep putting in the work, good things are going to happen. I mean, I we see these situations always as opportunities. There's always opportunity when there's massive disruption or change. And so if you, it depends on how, how you choose to focus your energy and focus your time and your mind. And, and we choose to look, you know, look for those opportunities. And, you know, it's, 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 it's never easy, but the good things usually aren't. It's never easy. And it can be a very different mindset, right? Y yesterday, I found myself kind of in the middle of, you know, it's football season and Suddenly, it was very political. There was some family members who were frustrated about some things and some other family members that were frustrated about some other things. And I found myself kind of mediating. And And one of my family members said, like, you know, oh, my gosh, like, what's happening to our world? And it's a wonderful world. Like, what are we choosing to focus on here? And why are we even talking about this? Let's think about all the good things and our relationships and we get to choose what to talk about and focus on and how we talk about it. I will never talk about the world that way because that's not how I see it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things, I think, again, it's 
half empty, half full, it, it, you know, it's easy to focus on, on the negative, but that's a choice. And there's just, there's too much beauty in the world. There's a lot of work to be done. And, and, you know, that's what we talked a lot. And we were, uh, you know, we were uh, talking internally and externally about, you know, uh, uh, social reforms and different things that need to happen. You know, we didn't want to do the easy thing. You know, we saw a lot of people, you know, they would write a check and say, you know, Hey, we've done our part. And that's just, that doesn't resonate with us at all. We want to, you know, roll up our sleeves. We want to, we want to really get involved. We want to understand, you know, deeply the context of the issues and then understand how we can put, put forth effort that's sustainable long-term. One thing we talk a lot about is there's a massive difference between reacting and responding. And we choose never to react, but always to respond. And that takes a, a little, you got to take a little bit of a breath. You got to understand the, the larger context. But if you do that, if you, it's kind of that slow is smooth, smooth is fast type thing. If you take a little extra time, understand it a little better and then respond, it's more sustainable long-term. Well, and that's where the resilience comes. I mean, it, it's all connected, isn't it? You, you talk about the, the physical challenges to sharpen yourself mentally I mean, those are the kinds of things that, because it's, it's hard, it's hard not to react, but with the mental tenacity and intentionality to be effective, to lead well, that mindset will encourage someone to slow down and, okay, how can I respond in this situation in a way that's helpful? My off the cuff emotional reaction is probably not going to be helpful. Yeah. And I will say I'm a redhead. So, you know, us gingers usually tend to be hotheaded and spout off pretty quick. And I've, I've had a problem with that my entire life. But that's another thing I think my, even my wife will say that's gotten better. You know, there's that whole you pause, breathe, decide, act, right? So before you just spot, you know, spout off, pause, take a breath. Breathing's really important. I'm actually reading a book on it right now. And then decide and act upon it. But, you know, there's, there's so many great books out there to be read and absorbed and learn from others. You know, I, I just think that there's you can't get caught up in this social media train where, you know, what is it? Misinformation or, or bad information travels seven times faster than the truth. And that's because it's more sensational. I mean, we love to have that that, you know, that inside scoop. And it just we create echo chambers for it. And we, we try to stay out of that. Well, it's, it's that, and that takes discipline, doesn't it? Again, what do you choose to, to spend your time on? And because you've got your three family fitness future, I mean, I think it, you, it's easier to say no to something when you have a bigger yes. So I suspect when you're filtering choices through those three things, you're not going to be spending a lot of time watching the news. No, I mean, it's a choice, right? I mean, it, it gets to a point where what value am I getting out of that, right? So we have our house we've chosen turn it off. I mean, there's no value that I'm, I'm getting out of it uh, other than a bunch of opinion pieces. And there's, there's bigger things in the world that need to be dealt with. That's a great question. What value am I getting? The question I ask a lot is, how is this helpful? How is this helpful to me and to the people that I love? And if it's not, then why would I spend time doing it? Yeah. I love it. That's good. Oh my goodness. This is so good. There's one other thing, just as we start to close, that I, I want to highlight. So this, the overall theme of pushing yourself physically to sharpen yourself mentally. I mean, you you have talked about big challenges like the Hudson River swim, the 40 mile ultra marathon. So these the, the challenges that could be quite intimidating to some people. 
So how do you, I, cause I suspect listening to you, it's whatever challenge looks like for you, right? How, how do you encourage leaders to step into physical challenges that will support them mentally? You know, it doesn't even have to be physical. I just start, pick something and start, uh, you know, with our workout group, I don't really care what you do for 30 minutes. That's our rule is just 30 minutes of anything. If it's physical therapy, cause you're hurt or if it's, you know, if it's just walking, it's just, just start, do something. If it's, you want to read more business books, you know, don't do 10 pages a day, try three, try five. It, you know, I think what you'll find is then you kind of, you get on this train of, okay, what's, wh- what do I have to do next? So, you know, after reading why we sleep, I've fundamentally changed everything about how I sleep. Cause I realized that, you know, I think we forever had badges of honor for how early we got up and, you know, got to work. I mean, I was, religiously a a 4am guy. But after I read why we sleep, I changed all that. Like I I make sure that sleep is prioritized over everything because it's so restorative, especially with all the time we're on technology, whether it's staring at a screen or otherwise that we we've got to give our brain time to kind of repair and and heal and fix those synapses and clean up all the the junk. And then, and then that leads into, okay, what's my diet look like? You know, we had a pioneer in, uh, in, in psych, uh, dietary psychology. And, and his name is Dr. Drew Ramsey. He's phenomenal. Uh, he's got a book out called Eat Complete. And he came on and talked to our entire company a couple times on different uh, Zoom calls just to talk about so they could process what they were feeling emotionally and mentally. Like, what are those feelings of feel, this isolation we're going through? I mean, we talked about the family of five, say, in, in Manhattan in a small 800 square foot apartment. Like, what are they going through in this isolation? And it's totally different here than in Indiana where we, you know, you know, we can spread out. But then he took that into how, what we eat and how that affects our, our physiology, uh, our psychology. And so now there's a group of us, you know, really trying to dial in our diets to better understand how they affect us. And, And so we're always kind of tinkering and experimenting, but the whole time we're trying to absorb new information and then, and then share that out. Yeah. It's like this, this, this theme of challenge after challenge is preparing you. I mean, you're growing through that. That's, that's pushing. So that's, that is pushing yourself to sharpen yourself mentally, whatever that is, whatever that challenge is. Yeah. Just start, just pick anything, like literally anything, just start because we all get locked up, right? It's always, there's always an excuse for getting started or am I starting the right thing or, or if I'm, you know, am I dedicating the right time? I you know, starting the right time of the year. Just start. Um, just just get going. It, it you're going to fail a lot early on. You're just going to kind of work your way through it. But if you just get started, the more you keep pushing yourself beyond preconceived boundaries, the more uh, I think Dave Goggins calls it in his book uh, "Can't Hurt Me." He talks about you build the calloused mind, and that's not a a bad thing. That's a good thing. That's a, that's a resilience mindset that says, okay, well, I've done that. Now I know I can do that. And that, so that kind of sets a whole new fence um, that you're going to go explore the next time, hopefully. And then and you just keep trying new things to, to kind of build on that foundation. It's like a compound interest. You know, the more, the more of those experiences you have, I think the better uh, and more prepared you are for the next situation that comes along. That's so good. Whatever it looks like for you. It's making me think about the, I don't know if you ever saw the movie, Brittany Runs a Marathon, but she, uh, 
she was very intimidated by that idea and her neighbor was encouraging her to run. And she's like, I can't run. And her neighbor said, well, can you run down to the mailbox? Like, can you, can you run down the block? And so that's where she started, right? One block at a time. And ultimately she ran a marathon. It's all it takes. I mean, I, we did the opposite. We got to the end of our run on Friday and we went pole to pole, just make it pole to pole. And then, and then we'll figure out what's after that. And that's, you know, you you could break it down into small segments. I mean, goals are just segmentation, right? Of a bigger, something bigger you're trying to achieve. So segment them. All wins. Yeah. Cause those are, they're doable. Yeah. And they take a lot of that in the teams. They call it micro wins. Uh, or micro losses and those those build on each other you know like especially during covid and we're all just frustrated find a way to get a micro win every day and it'll build your mindset just one little micro win find a way to get a micro win every day well this has been a big win for me today this is a uh, this is so good thank you so much for sharing all this incredible insight Thank you for having me on. I hope I hope there's something in there. I just uh, it feels weird talking about it, but uh, um, you know we just we're all here just doing our best. So many leadership lessons, Ryan, that you've shared today. So I, I take notes throughout, and I've got a couple pages of notes, and I put little stars next to insights. And you should see my page; it's full of stars. I guess I could say okay. none. I, none of them are original. I just uh, I like to uh, aggregate from a lot of different really smart people in the world and just kind of pull those together. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, if our listeners want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Find me on LinkedIn, uh, just Ryan Minky, M-E-N-K-E. That's, uh, that's the best way to find me. I'm happy to engage however people would like. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.